Hello, hello, hello. I'm Aaliyah, and this is Netflix Coffee and Questioning Humanity. In today's episode, we are going to be doing something a little different. We are going to be ranking seasons of American Horror Story. I am also doing this in a collaboration with myself is that a thing i made a youtube video which is also the start of a new series on my channel the terrifying inspiration behind american horror story and the first episode i did is on the season hotel which is oh my god the inspiration behind that season is fucking not oh wait sorry i didn't do my sirens you know what it is you know this is explicit the inspiration behind that series is fucking gnarly and dark and yeah i almost didn't make it there was a point which i explained in the video where i wanted to do a video separately before i even knew it was the inspiration behind the character or that i wanted to do this uh ahs series and i'm not going to give away who that was or what about that person it was you're just gonna have to watch the video but I looked at the information and I find it very fascinating I like you know cults and serial killers and all that fucked up shit but I was like whoa this is a this is a lot like this is really dark so it gets pretty intense it gets pretty crazy and it's really fascinating if you want to know the inspiration and the history of that inspiration I did a ton of research for it and I really like how it turned out and that should be up by the I think I'm going to post this podcast and the video at the same time or something like that but by the time this podcast is out the YouTube video will be available and that's youtube.com slash l-e-a-l-o-c-k-s as in Leah Locks. Why did that sound like I have like this weird cold? Am I like all congested? I sound congested. I don't have a cold. I'm actually doing just fine. Except, oh my God, real quick update. Hold on. Let me do this intro. Friendly reminder that this is an explicit podcast, which means I may discuss explicit content while most certainly using explicit language. So little ears, those easily offended, and my mom and dad, even though my mom already listens and doesn't really give a shit, may want to bow out. Now on with my gnarly story. Not so gnarly. It's actually like pretty pathetic. So the other day I... <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I think I was just cleaning. And when I clean, I'm really frantic and I just want to clean a million things at once. I'm a heavy duty cleaner. And I have these baseboard heaters in my house. I don't know if you're familiar or if they're common anywhere else. I don't know if this is just me and I'm looking at my toes while I do this, but I have my pinky toe and my pinky toe. It's not absurd. It's not like a defect. Not that there's anything wrong with that if you have this, but it kind of like pokes out like it kind of just gets caught on random shit all the time and I stub it constantly so I stubbed it on this baseboard heater which is like almost like a little rectangular box that sits on the bottom border of a wall if that makes sense and they're usually metal so I like tripped over it and the space in between my pinky toe and what the fuck would that be called the ring finger toe I don't know it got sliced into oblivion and it like hurt like I stubbed it like it didn't like hurt excessive I like yelled out some curse words and then that was that but it got sliced up pretty bad and I didn't realize how bad it was until I was like gushing blood all over the kitchen floor and ultimately I was convinced to go to the emergency room to get stitches which I was like it's completely absurd and unnecessary but when I got there the doctors are like yeah 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 uh it's a good thing you 
came in and I needed a whopping three stitches. I had three stitches in my toe for 10 days and I just got them taken out yesterday. And this is no joke. I had to go back to the emergency room because uh, with COVID and all that, my doctor couldn't see me until June because I had to have a physical and it was a new doctor. Whole different thing. Not really relevant to the story. And urgent care was going to charge me. So anyway, I go to the ER because they told me I could come back. They were super nice, but I don't like to bother the emergency room. It's for fucking emergency. So I go in. I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry. Here's the deal. Like, I don't mind waiting. I understand you're really busy. There's people with more important issues than I do. So this nurse comes up to me like a few minutes later. Like normally, you know, when they kind of screen you, they take your temperature, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, oh, let, let me just get some equipment. And I thought he was just going to like take a look at my toe and make sure it wasn't infected and then sent me back down. No, no, no. He lays down this sanitary mat, gets these sanitary supplies, and in front of like the waiting room, there's like a bit of plexiglass, obviously. Hikes my fucking foot up on this rolly desk chair and just goes in, takes some of my stitches out like it's no big deal as my foot's fucking rolling away. And he's just chilling. He's like, oh yeah, sorry if it hurts. I'm like, nah, nah, I have a high pain tolerance. We're all good. No worries. And then it's super fucking awkward because the, the next nurse is coming in. I think it's like a shift switch or switch of shifts whatever you want to call it and she's like hi <laughs> and I'm like hey just another day at the office hello hello here's my here's my fucking foot in your face poor woman all over your fucking chair grubbing it up how did we get here how did how did we get to my toe anyway I've been showing everybody I'm like look at my toe look at my stitches everyone's sick of me So today I'm doing something a little bit different, but it's it's caffeinated. And again, this is sort of like my collaboration with myself, I guess you could say. I feel like that's like the most selfish, narcissistic thing to say. Like I'm collaborating with myself, like I'm so important. Realistically, I'm just a tub a tub tub who wants to try all three flavors of this wacky drink. So I'm like, oh, I can justify that with like one flavor on my podcast, one on my YouTube, one on my TikTok, which let me tell you something. I, I keep going off track, but I don't care. I, I have taken the feedback. I hear it. I know people want longer content and I, I will do that. There are some things that I'm going to be recording, like just trying like betas, I guess you could say. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how people like it, like more true podcasts. But I pride myself in making really concise, well thought out content. And I really enjoy that. I feel like nobody cares about like my random side thoughts. I, so I'm just like, I don't, I don't know if that's what you want, but I'll, I'll give the people what they want. And if you don't want it, you know, just let me know. I don't I don't care one way or the other. I don't get really offended by that stuff anymore. It's kind of like you either like what I'm doing or you don't. I, I, I can only be me. But if it's something like, oh, I just want more of you talking or more concise things and, you know, just see what the majority wants, I'll probably keep doing both. But just to, you know, get some feedback for what you guys like or if you really hate my rambling content like I'm doing now. But anyway, I'm fucking killing it on TikTok. Let me tell you, if you asked me, no matter of fact, I remember I had, you know, some really cool and with it co-workers that I was like, what's a Billie Eilish? What's a tick and a talk? I, I need to know. What is this movement? What, like, should I be afraid of it? Should I dive into it? And I dove in. I belly flopped. And let me tell you, I'm fucking killing it. I'm hysterical. 
I don't care if nobody else thinks so. I'm funny. But yeah, anyway, I tried the, van or I'm going to be trying the vanilla flavor. I should just tell you what this is first, right? Yeah, that's what we came here for. It's the Coca-Cola with coffee. Great Coca-Cola taste blended with rich, luxurious coffee. Now, let me just tell you. I already filmed my YouTube video with the dark roast flavor. I don't mean to spoil anything, uh, but let me just say I have a feeling the change in flavor will not change the outcome. So I'll just say that. But if you care to see uh, me and my facial expressions while I drink it, then you can head on over to YouTube. But I, I have a feeling this is this is going to be another nope. But let's try it. Let's let's get that good asthma ASMR clickety-clack oh my god it's like steaming something tells me that that's I don't know I get real weird especially when I'm drinking seltzer like I know it's just carbonation that's making it bubble and make weird noises but sometimes when I'm just writing in dead silence and I hear that like I don't know how to make bubbling sounds when I hear that I'm like what the fuck am I putting in my body and realistically it's just air bubbles it's not that scary and like I'll go in and I'll eat like a fucking pint of ice cream after that so clearly I'm not that worried all right let's shut up and try this caramel flavored coke with coffee take two actually you know what oh wow okay okay the caramel oh my god I wasn't expecting I really wasn't expecting this that's actually not bad and this is like one dollar and 88 cents at Walmart I've seen it everywhere now that I've actually found it couldn't find it for shit when I was actually looking for it but now that I have it and like had it in my fridge it's fucking everywhere isn't that always how it works out whatever I was not expecting this to be good I do have one complaint that is consistent with what I thought of the other one again sorry spoilers because you care so much about my fucking spoilers on how I think a coke coffee tastes the aftertaste is disgusting it tastes like you know when and I hope I hope none of you have ever experienced this but when you accidentally, if you're gross and you leave like your old coffees in the car and you have, let's just say you have your Dunks cup one next to the other, you're driving, you're not really paying attention. You accidentally pick up the wrong fucking Dunks cup and it's from yesterday and it's grody tasting and it's old tasting and it, ugh. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, this aftertaste. It's like flat Coke. It's probably not something I will ever repurchase, but I can get through it. I can, I can definitely enjoy this while I am recording this podcast. And we're moving on to American Horror Story now. First and foremost, this is a spoiler alert. Wee woo, wee woo. If you have not seen American Horror Story and don't want to know details, stop this episode now and listen to my last episode instead. Or just wait for the next one. I don't want to spoil this wonderful show for you. If you have been living under a rock and you do not know what American Horror Story is, it's an anthology anthology horror series created by Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk for the FX network but all the seasons are available on Netflix currently they usually uh, come onto Netflix like a few months after they air I believe if I'm not mistaken each season is considered a self-contained miniseries following a different set of characters and settings and has a storyline of its own many of the actresses and actors do appear in more than one season often playing new characters and it's graphic this show is rated mature and for a very good reason. This is bloody, gutsy, sex, drugs, everything you can think of that would be M rating. This has got it. Everything that you have a trigger for, it's going to trigger it. Boom, boom, pow, pow, trigger, trigger. And let me just hold on. I have to rant. I know I just said we're getting into American Horror Story and we are, but let me just fucking rant for a minute. If you are someone who rolls your eyes when someone's like, oh, trigger warning.
morning or, oh, this could be true. Shut the fuck up. Like, honestly, people, you can't, you cannot be mad at someone for being offended by something that has caused them trauma. It's just like, oh, hey, heads up. Like, you, I don't understand it. You're the sensitive one. You're offended by someone who has a traumatic experience that they have sensitivities towards something that's similar that reminds them of it. I feel like people who get that way are just mad because growing up they just had to fucking deal with people being douchebags and rude and disrespectful and nowadays we're being respectful yeah it's a learning curve it really is and there's no roadmap for this we're trying to find what's inclusive and non-offensive to everybody like I saw this shit on Facebook oh my god I had to unfriend so many people because Facebook is a cesspool honest to god it's a soapbox for the most bullshit things anyway so this person in particular posted a meme of the the lucky charms leprechaun guy and they were like the Irish are keeping their leprechaun because they're not sensitive little babies I'm like what the fuck are you what are you talking about dude like are you referring to racist shit that is fucked up and disrespectful and you're trying to put yourself on this high and mighty tier because you're not offended by something that isn't fucking racist it's a folklore like are you serious if Irish people are offended by leprechauns and that's fine they can be offended by leprechauns that's that's their right but like if this is someone referring to for example the removal of the Washington Redskins Redskins is a fucking slur bro those are Native American first of all they deserve the most respect they're Native Americans They, they 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 come on come on and their culture and who they are as people is being exploited and with an offensive what the fuck is wrong with people why is that not offensive to people I think honestly I think it goes back to maybe you were offended by things or sensitive as a child as you can be sensitivity is not a flaw by the way and your mom and dad or your generation or whomever was just like tough shit deal with it and that hurt you and now you don't think it's fair that other people get respect and people giving them a heads up like for example I'm not a fucking sensitive little snowflake because I want a heads up before I see somebody shooting up with needles in a movie I'm traumatized by that I don't want to see it I don't like seeing needles in the first place I don't want to see that so I appreciate like oh hey heads up trigger warning that's good people go through shit and they need a heads up they don't want to be triggered by something everyone's going through something so just like honestly you're the sensitive one if it bothers you that much keep your bullshit shit and your negativity and your weird oh sensitive remarks to yourself like it's just people think they're so funny and they think they're so ironic and so edgy when they make these comments but you're really not you just look like a douchebag that being said trigger warning for pretty much every trigger you could possibly have with this show <laughs> honestly sex drugs um, um rape torture uh, talking about mental illnesses uh everything everything and I'm going to be ranking these seasons from worst to best and of course you know chime in with my unfiltered honest opinion nothing new there and American Horror Story stands American Horror Story stands that's like a, a tricky one do not come for me okay some of my choices, some of my ranking are going to cause you to scream through your listening device, but I don't care. I thought about these long and hard, okay? And I, I stand by them and you're just you're just gonna sit and you're gonna listen or you're gonna turn it off. Let's rank these bitches. Coming in at number nine, the steaming pile of dog shit season. One I think the majority of us can agree on, Hotel. My father always said to marry a homely woman. Less trouble. I disagree. 
season five of American Horror Story released in 2015 and it takes place in 2015. The season follows bizarre happenings at the Hotel Cortez in Los Angeles. The hotel was built as a torture chamber for the founder, James March. A detective gets an anonymous tip to investigate murders at the hotel. All of the murders represented are one of the Ten Commandments, so that's super cool. The detective has his own hard shit going on at home with his wife and daughter. They are still struggling with their son's disappearance from five years earlier. Okay. So just a heads up and foreshadowing a bit, this season has a lot going on and it's messy and it, it just try to follow as best you can. It's a shit season, so I understand if you can't. Try and follow me down this bullshit lane, okay? Hold my hand and we'll get through it together. Now we are getting into Mr. March's widow, Elizabeth, played by Lady Gaga, who is known as the Countess and now runs the hotel. Oh yeah, and she's a vampire. The vampire Countess Gaga lady, she's got a lot of lovers and I honestly couldn't keep up. Like I'm, I'm happy for her girl, do your thing. But they all have their own storylines and it's Ugh, it's just a lot. And this is just a baby fraction of the season storyline. Anyways, March is looking for someone to take over his torture acts that he did when he was alive. And I don't know if I mentioned, but Mr. March is the ghost of Elizabeth the Countess Gaga vampire lady's dead husband. The hotel is crawling with Elizabeth's vampiric children or lovers or both people that worship her. I'm, I'm really trying here. I'm trying to get through this fast because I just fucking hate this season. There's way more to the plot, but who would care, honestly? Like you guys, if you know American Horror Story, you know how shit hotel is and you don't care either. You're just like, move on. What's next? I knew this was last. And if you don't know... Like, I, like, don't watch it. Like, you can skip this season. If you're interested, great. If not, you're not missing out. Do you have any idea how long it took me to finish this fucking season? This felt painfully long. Like, it hurt. I just, I, I just really hated it. I really hated it. The only saving grace was Dennis O'Hare as Liv Taylor. And that episode of Dinner Party, I think it was called, or Dead Day, something like that. That was all right. There was heavy addiction this season, which for me, again, personally, not into watching that. So that does no favors for this season. It was not enjoyable. Uh, and it's it's gruesome. It's not like, oh, uh, a little bit of the... No, 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 no. It gets graphic. So just a heads up. Gaga looked gorgeous, I will say. The acting is great. I, I would think this is not her first role. Is it her first role? I don't know. I don't care. But she did great. It's a cool idea. The aesthetic was nice, but it's messy and a waste of time. And we're moving on. Coming in is not quite a hot pile of dog shit, but a cold turd. Nonetheless, at number eight is season one. Yeah, I said it. It's Murder House. I know. Come here. I'm keeping this one short and sweet because I, I genuinely just don't care about this season at all. This and Hotel, I'm just like, ugh, can I just skip these? Because I, I have not one fucking fiber of care in my body. I know this is everyone's favorite, but this is also the season, like when I talk to people and I'm like, oh, do you watch American Horror Story? They're like, no, I watched season one and I just couldn't get into it. And then I end up pleading with them to give it a chance besides season one. Please, please, for the love of God, try my top five. I get that this is the first season and so it holds a very special place in people's hearts and Peters and Jessica Lang so much yes fabulous 
incredible characters. Iconic, brilliant, beyond compare. And that's why this is cold dog shit and not a steaming pile of shit. Because of those two performances alone. As in all seasons, the acting is phenomenal. This season centers around the Harmon family, Ben and Vivian and their daughter Violet. And this Harmon family moved from Boston to LA after Vivian has a miscarriage and Ben has an affair. They move into a restored mansion, unaware that the house is haunted by ghosts of former residents and their victims. I didn't watch this show for a long time. I was late on the bandwagon and that I solely blame on Violet. As awful as Tate is, Violet takes the cake. She is the worst. Genuinely, she made this season borderline impossible for me to watch and turned me off to American Horror Story for years. The family itself as a whole were really annoying, actually, now that I'm thinking on it. Viv was the most naive and stupid person. Ben was a dickhead. Overall, the family was boring and annoying and coincidentally, that's exactly how I'd describe this season as a whole. Yes, wild shit does happen that is, I guess, not boring, but it's like, okay, dude, you jerk off and cry. Your hot maid is actually an old woman. Oh, the latex, that was, you know, that was interesting. It was only not boring when it was this thriller erotica which is fine that's a lovely cup of tea to have I wanted a more interesting family I don't know if I'm making sense I didn't like it I don't care it was boring come for me judge me moving on now we are in calmer waters with number seven season eight apocalypse it's chicken that clip alone oh my god that scene i don't think i laughed that hard in so long let's do it so apocalypse if you are unfamiliar takes place after a nuclear apocalypse and a chosen elite group survive in secret outposts created by the mysterious cooperative which is just another name for the illuminati the show mostly follows an outpost on the american west coast with miss venable and ms mead who run the outpost super duper strict they dress in victorian clothes and essentially have just groundhog day in the outpost it's super weird one day michael langdon shows up hallelujah and shit gets real because he promises a secret paradise for them to be hauled off to and away from this nightmare of an outpost and he would be choosing who would go. This season flips and twists then turns into the fan service portion of the season. It's basically a Coven sequel. It also crosses over with Murder House and Coven which also confirmed again it's the same universe like the same American Horror Story universe which for me I already knew that because of Lana Winters but it was super cool to actually see it confirmed. The episode Return to Murder House was awesome which is weird because as you just heard I don't like Murder House. That episode alone helped bump this up a bit on my list. The atmosphere and setting bored me to fucking tears. It was super messy as well and it seemed like every episode was a sidestep or a flashback. I really appreciate the world building they did that is always complicated and I I don't want to undermine that. That's a lot of work to create that. But the flashbacks and sidesteps seemed quite unnecessary to kind of give, uh, I don't know if credence is the word, but to kind of solidify that, yeah, 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 this is the same universe. I felt like it could have been a little bit more understated, but of course with Murder House and then the Coven crossover, it was pretty in your face already. We didn't need the flashbacks and crossovers to be so insane. The Tweedledee and Tweedledum, you know, Evan Peters and that fucking other guy, I don't know his name. I don't know either of their character names to be 
honest, and I didn't really care. Horrendous, completely ruined the fucking season. Evan Peters' worst. Honestly, I love every character he's played, even if like Tate, for example, I don't like him as a character, but you're not supposed to like him. He's supposed to be awful and he played that perfect. It got pretty hard to follow all of the storylines and the, ooh, the time travel. Oh, here we go, here we go. Lord have mercy, I hate time travel. I hate time travel, it ruins everything. It's hard to understand, it's hard to follow. It leaves massive plot holes. Let me, let me tell you one in particular in your pop culture world, the fucking time turner from Harry. How the fuck? No, no, please, please. I don't like, come on. Lazy writing, plot hole bothered me throughout the entire Harry Potter series. As soon as that showed up, I was like, done, throw my book against the wall fucking hated it. It's lazy writing to me, honestly. It it really, really is. And that sucks even more because I know these writers on this show are super fucking talented. To redeem the writers, because again, I think they're geniuses, especially with the character development of Michael Langdon, that helped their cause for me. I was like, okay, Michael Langdon's character was so bizarre and beautiful and haunting and oh my god, I forget the actor's name, but he did such a great job. He's really really funny too. Very low key. He knows how to play it down, which I love. Very talented. Finally, the ending. I don't want to give it away, but honestly, I know I'm doing spoilers, but that one, it was like really, it's such a small thing about the ending. It was like, boom, done. I sat there waiting. Wait, what? That's it? Are you serious? It was fucking stupid. Bothered me so much. And that's all I have to say about that. Coming in at boring hump day number six, season two, Asylum. Yes, Dari. Asylum premiered in 2012 and takes place in 1964 at mental institution Briarcliff Manor. And it follows the stories of staff and inmates who occupy it. The institution is run in a religious sort of way. I think it's by a church or something. I can't fully remember exactly. The main storyline is that of Lana Winters, who appears in a few seasons, but this is her origin story. She is an ambitious journalist investigating the murderer Bloodyface, who she believes is the character Kit Walker. When she goes to Briarcliff to investigate, she leaves a bad taste in Sister Jude's mouth, which we will get into Sister Jude soon enough. Don't you worry. Lana Winters is gay and in 1964, especially in an extremely rigid religious setting, not saying all religion is rigid, but this was the case at Briarcliff. Being gay was reason enough to be committed. Sister Jude ultimately gets Lana's partner, Wendy, to commit her to Briarcliff by way of blackmail for her homosexuality. While at the asylum, Lana undergoes fucking barbaric and disturbing aversion therapy by Dr. Arden and Sister Jude. Lana does plot her escape after finding out her girlfriend was killed by Bloody Face. At least that's what she believed. So with the help of Dr. Threadson, a doctor she grew to trust while in her time at Briarcliff, Lana successfully escaped. That is when shit gets cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Threadson reveals himself as Bloody Face. Like, what? He then goes on to sexually assault Lana after admitting his gruesome crimes. She escapes from him only to get in a car crash and be brought right back to Briarcliff. Lana does learn that she is pregnant from the assault and use that to get threads in to admit he 
was bloody face on tape. Lana then gets Mother Superior Claudia's help to escape once again and takes the tape to police. Then after doing her due diligence and bringing that tape to police, she continues to personally kill Threadzen. Threadzen. I can I have such a hard time with THs and S's. Threadzen. Clearly, if you are able to keep up, that's a lot of information. And that's just one storyline. One. One of many, 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 many storylines. Let me get into explaining why this is so low because I know that requires some input. Let me do the positives of this season first because there are a lot. I loved the characters, the acting, the overall themes and messages, the whole unveiling of how brutal and barbaric institutions were, and in a lot of cases still are. It shows you how the horrors of the human mind can destroy people. This season also successfully showed how back in the day, inconvenient, I say with air quotes, people like those who are mentally ill with nowadays very treatable issues, homosexual people, homeless people, whomever was inconvenient to them. They were just locked into institutions and forgotten about as if they didn't exist. Now moving on to Sister Jude. Ugh, where do I begin? Let me try and condense this a bit. She is such a beautifully written and beautifully played complex character. I was absolutely blown away. This was the exact season and the exact character that sealed my coffin of thought that these writers are genius. I can't say that enough. The writing is incredible. Sometimes it's like too much fantasticness all at once. It's almost like all of these crazy manic ideas just kind of being jolted into a season, which I don't appreciate sometimes. But I can still be like, wow, these are all really great thoughts and ideas and beautifully written, but there's just too much of it. Can we split this up? There was also this bright and horrifying, seemingly out of place, but actually made perfect sense dance scene with Sister Jude. I, I, I just... Wow. Wow. That was probably my favorite scene in the entire series. Honestly, this is a wonderful season. So, Aaliyah, why the fuck is it at number six, you ask? Well, this season was hard to watch for me. It was next level horrifying, next level disturbing. It struck me in ways that made this not fun to watch. Every season that ranks higher is not because it's more well-written. It's simply because this season jolted me. I didn't like watching it. Another reason this is so low and is my one gripe with the writing, again, it's almost like too much, was the alien shit. That was so stupid to me. Now, now, I live for the alien stuff. I do. Please take me. I'm ready. The idea of aliens being brought into the American Horror Story universe excites me, and I hope they dive deeper, hopefully in this upcoming season. Side note, I am going on a mission to the filming location of season 10 because I have the inside scoop on when and where they will be filming. But we'll see how that goes. That might be an epic fail. Stay tuned. But yeah, a season focused on aliens all day. Give it to me. I want it. But this half-ass random drop of it in this season that made no sense? No thank you. If they show Kit Walker coming back in season 10 or a future season in some sort of extraterrestrial way uh, maybe you might have me there I might change my mind about this overall I agree that this as a whole is the best season without my personal feelings attached to it but who fucking cares about that when you really are just like oh this is not enjoyable <laughs> you know this is getting so long I know I was trying to make longer content but this is getting like a little crazy so I'm gonna try and speed this up because I think we're on what number five yeah number five another reason for all of you to hate me because this one is up so high just let me take my L I understand my list is a hard L but I stand with it number five is 1984 and nope I'm still not sorry about it you're going to make this nightmare disappear you're gonna get yourself a roll of 
cheating, a box of garbage bags, a pair of good rubber gloves, and a sharp butcher's knife. And you are going to get rid of all of these bodies. <laughs> I can't do that. I'm a small, diminutive man. Right, that's why you're going to cut them into little tiny pieces. Oh. Now you need to clean every surface with bleach. This bus has to be immaculate. Not a single drop of blood can be left. How can you be so cold about this? Do you not have any empathy? Let's all agree, because there is no contest on this, the overall vibe and the intro for 1984, the best, hands down. For those of you familiar with Halloween Horror Nights, does that intro not immediately transport you? Especially for the 2019 sort of 80s theme they had going, ugh. I actually got the pyrotechnic smoke-scented wax melts, I think they're called like Horror Nights or something like that, that smell exactly like Halloween Horror Nights. I can't explain it. You know the smell when you're there. It's pyrotechnic fog. I was on the fence at first. I really hated it as a smell in my home, but it grew on me. Maybe the further away Halloween is, the more I miss it, so the more I enjoy it. I also got the E.T. ride scent, which you know that smell if you've been on the E.T. ride. The mold, the nostalgia, ugh, the best, but it smells horrible. I did not like that one. Not in my house. And if you care, I got those from Magic Candle Company. They have Disney and Universal themed candles and wax melts and I think like hand sanitizers and room sprays. It's pretty cool. If you happen to go to Magic Candle Company and choose to buy something, please include Fiji or Banshee Flight. You can thank me later. Season 9, 1984. This season, this season premiered in 2019, I believe. So it is the most recent season and it is straight up campy fun that pays homage to 80s slasher films like I Know What You Did Last Summer and Friday the 13th, yada yada. In the summer of 1984, five friends escape LA to work as counselors at Camp Redwood. As they adjust to their new jobs, they quickly learn that the only thing scarier than campfire tales is the past coming to haunt you. Ooh, spooky. The camp they are working at has a history of horror. The camp had a violent massacre years earlier, committed by the escaped murderer, Mr. Jingles. The main person that we follow in 1984 is Brooke, who survived a serial killer attack just before going to this camp, so she's understandably paranoid. Basically, the group of friends fight off the knife-wielding killer, yada yada. The plot itself, at its core to me, isn't intriguing, but all the little nuggets and the vibe and the fun around it are fantastic. It was definitely the funniest and most lighthearted season and the most enjoyable for me to watch. At least like good feelings wise. I don't mind dark shit. I really don't. But this was so much fun to watch. Can we talk about Lily Rob? Unreal. Comic legend. She's an icon. She's a legend. And she is the moment. Now come on now. This to me was her at her absolute best, her best performance, hands down. This season was an extremely gory season. It wasn't super scary, but the horror was always front and center. That never left. One thing this season did well was flashbacks and the sort of sidesteps that I talked about negatively before. It was done cohesively and it made sense to me. It really did. And it benefited the story moving forward. The Richard Ramirez shit was cool, I guess. Like a nice tie-in with the whole age moment. Eh, I think it would have been better without it. I'd prefer just a random serial killer as much as I hated that douchebag other killer. Who fucking cares about his name? I don't. He's irrelevant. I don't remember. I think after Lena Dunham's character, he is the worst of the entire series. Also, the supernatural shit was strange, but sure, go off with the Satan stuff. That's fine. Like, I, I, 
I guess I understood why it was there. I saw someone on YouTube. For the life of me, I can't remember the name of the channel, but the guy said that he wished Evan Peters cameoed as Billy Idol in this season. I would mic drop. I don't even, I can't. If that happened, 1984 would be numero uno. Oh my god, I wish that would have happened. Random little side note, but I thought that was great. We can dream, right? I thought Emma Roberts' character, Brooke, was really great. I like this sort of change of pace from her other characters. She's always really bitchy and snooty, and I like to see her play something different. Red Dawn was easily the best episode, just throwing that out there. I think that's the name of it. Was it Red Dawn? But you know the episode I'm talking about with Kaja Gugu. Ugh, one of the best episodes of the entire series. I feel like my number five, my number four, and my number three are absolutely fucking rocking some of you are you here is anyone still listening and you know what you guys know what's left you know the seasons that are left and you know what was not mentioned you know the season you all love to hate that has not been mentioned and at number four it's that bitch it's roanoke Out of all of the American Horror Story seasons, I know Roanoke is by far the most polarizing. People either absolutely adore this season or they loathe it. They cannot, like I have a feeling some people are done, turn off, we're done with this. They can't even fathom that I put Roanoke up this high. But I really enjoyed the idea of the mockumentary. I really did. It was really reminiscent of like horror satires, which I, again, I really enjoyed it. Adina Porter and Kathy Bates, oh my god, loved them in this. Loved them. I didn't really have a hard time understanding the difference between the mockumentary and what was real life. None of this season confused me. I understand that that was a major complaint with people was that they felt fused and it was just too much going on, but I felt like it was totally the opposite. It was pretty straightforward. Out of all of the seasons, I feel like, and maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but I feel like this had the least amount of sidestepping. If if you're following what I mean by that, it wasn't six million different sidesteps. Everything was cohesive. Every flashback or small sidestep that they took, again, pushed the plot forward. It made sense. It added depth to the character characters it was there for a reason it didn't feel like it was randomly included there were a lot of povs and a lot of different layers but again i thought they did it very well it was almost like freak show which i'll get to that obviously very soon but they did it much more cohesively freak show everyone their auntie their mama everyone had a storyline this was i want to say how many probably about 10 to 12 different storylines maybe they were all done well this was another fabulous kathy Bates performance I think maybe her best thank god once again for Evan Peters that was great comic relief I really enjoyed that I think it's very important to have comic relief in these types of shows because otherwise they turn into asylum for me at least I need a break every now and again from the torture and abysmalness is that even a word probably not the butcher storyline and the lore that went along with it was some of my favorite I love that the Mott family connection was in this that was super cool again the world building is just fantastic and 
and I will never not appreciate that. I know how hard that is. Like I said, oh, the cannibals. The cannibals were really the scariest part of this for me. They were dark and realistic. Very Hills Have Eyes, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I see you, Roanoke, paying homage. It was really gruesome. There was this impaling scene that was really intense. I realized as I watched it again was the fact that it was from first person point of view. That made it feel very real. I think the overall best part about this season was sort of that underlying subdued human fear of reality television and showing how gross it is and how nasty it is. It's not something that they make front and center, but to me it was so apparent and I love that. I love the subtle little human realistic sort of normie scares layered underneath the supernatural or slasher scares as well. Does that make sense? It's got layers, honey. She's got the range. Guys, we finally made it to the top. You did it. You're almost there. Number three is Colt. It's not true. Those numbers don't seem right to me. Where are you getting your information from? Honestly, I feel like that clip alone was reason enough for this to be in the top three scariest and best seasons. Do I need to say more? Honestly, we all know a Kai Anderson or someone to some degree of Kai Anderson. Obviously, he is a psychopath. We don't all know psychopaths, but we know some people who could fall in love with Kai Anderson. People that may have voted for Kai Anderson. And that's why Colt was the scariest and most disturbing season for me to watch. Colt takes place in the fictional city of Brookfield Heights, Michigan, and it's left divided by the 2016 U.S. presidential election. It follows a community that's torn apart by a dangerous cult leader, Kai Anderson, aka Evan Peters, who uses fear as a weapon. Local restaurant owner, Allie Mayfair Richards, or Sarah Paulson, is utterly distraught by Donald Trump's victory and several of her long-standing phobias intensify as a result. Yeah, this season was genuinely terrifying, and the reason why, because I know I said this is very realistic and very dark. Sorry, my paper's all flapping around with my notes. But the reason that this differs from asylum is that there is some comic relief a lot of comic relief actually sometimes you're laughing and you're like oh it's funny but oh my god that's actually genuinely terrifying because that is very real in this world right now it also shows and I'm not even trying to make this like a polarizing political thing it is just genuinely scary paranoia and fear can consume you and turn you crazy. It was definitely more psychological horror. It wasn't that supernatural horror that we are so used to seeing in American Horror Story, which was really interesting. I thought it was a cool change. I know a lot of people did not like that. A lot of people were like, this is stupid. Obviously, they didn't like that it was political. And it wasn't even like subtle. It wasn't throwing shade. They were like real bold in your face. Here's a clip of the election. They weren't holding anything back. And this came out, when did this come out? I think this came out in what, 2017? Really close to the presidential election of 2016. And again, what I loved most about this season was that if you really paid attention, and I mean truly paid attention to it, and I love that they did this and it really makes people look beyond the, the surface, there is no political party that is the bad guy. That is who you think is the villain. Like, oh, Donald Trump is a villain or Kai Anderson's a villain, which yeah, I, I could see why on the surface it looks 
that way, but it's radicalization and fear that is the villain. That's what's causing everything bad. Anyone can be radicalized if they let fear consume them in that way. Sarah Paulson was wonderful in this. Her character was so fucking annoying, kind of like Violet. She's she, she played it well, but my God, until maybe the last two or three episodes when she starts, you know, plotting and planning, she drove me insane. The one thing that ruined this for me, like I basically just didn't watch these episodes. I zoned out and did something something else was the what was her name Valerie Solanus Solanus whatever Solanos her storyline was fucking dumb it made no sense I understand why it was put there to kind of show the opposing side of radicalization they showed like the radical left the radical right all that I get that they had to show the opposite of the in-your-face radicalization to show that it's no particular side is the enemy it's the fear itself I understand the attempt I do but the whole scum zodiac killer shit it was the strangest sidestep of the entire series she's the worst character of the entire series I feel like the idea of the other side or the side you think is the good guy with air quotes being susceptible to radicalization could have been done a lot better moving on to number two this was hard to make this number two and it really came down to one or two things not really one thing oh my god I'm getting ahead of myself Number two is Freak Show. Oh, love it. Oh my god, I loved this season. And so many people hate this season. Why do y'all hate Freak Show? Please let me know. I want to know why you don't like Freak Show. I want to give a big shout out to American Horror Story Wiki. Their plots are so good. Like when I'm just reading their plot lines. Listen to this. American Horror Story Freak Show begins its tale in the quiet, sleepy hamlet of Jupiter, Florida. Never in the fucking history of the world has Florida been romanticized so hard. The year is 1952. A troop of human curiosities has just arrived in town, coinciding with the strange emergence of a dark entity that savagely threatens the lives of townsfolk and freaks alike. This is the story of the performers and their desperate journey amidst the dying world of the American Carney experience. Maybe because I wanted to join the circus when I was younger, like run off and join the circus, until I found out how mean they were to elephants. Shout out to my dad for keeping me in the loop, keeping me woke. But the carnival... 1940s 30s 50s scene is so intriguing to me I love that shit hands down for me the best theming in American Horror Story loved it let's talk about some of the characters obviously there's Twisty who is you think of him as that gory creepy clown even if you've never seen any American Horror Story shows I'm sure you've seen Twisty the clown and Finn Whitlock as Dandy Mott can we just I think this was probably the best character and best acting of the entire series he played that character too well it worries me a bit then we had pepper we love pepper from asylum big shout out to pep she had that beautiful heartbreaking storyline though oh I could cry. I did cry, actually. Elsa Mars was definitely one of my favorite characters of the entire series. I loved her. Once again, a perfect storyline. Complex, rich, multifaceted, all of these buzzwords. And this was actually Jessica Lange's own inspiration, if I'm not mistaken. She came to Ryan Murphy with the idea, and he kind of just worked with her on it. Every little detail for Elsa Mars. 
unbelievable. I think a big thing from this season, I don't think it's overlooked. I think people are fully aware of how outstanding it is. I don't think it will ever get enough kudos for it though, is the special effects. Twisty the Clown, the three-tittied woman, and Sarah Paulson alone. And Pepper obviously is, uh, she's digitally manipulated as well. And also uh, the lobster boy. It would take Sarah Paulson, I think, what they say, like 10 hours to film her scenes because they had to do the two heads. Unbelievable. Shout out to Sarah Paulson. I also loved the musical numbers and how they represented struggling musicians or musicians that labeled themselves as freaks. I know that bothered a lot of people because they were not from the 50s. It was like Nirvana and Lana Del Rey. But I got it. I understood. Like you just have to suspend belief. Like chill out. It's it's just music. Like it's just supposed to represent freaks. Now let's talk about why it's not number one. This season was so long. And like I said previously, every fucking buddy had a storyline. Every single episode up until the very fucking end was a new goddamn character with a new deep storyline and a wah wah wah. I was like, I am done with these characters. I can't keep up. I can't remember storylines. And it waters it down. You almost don't feel as much love. And that's saying a lot because these storylines, no matter how many they were, I understand they were all done well and well developed and really great but it's almost like how much greatness can you have think of a big closet and you fill that closet with beautiful pieces every single outfit is a masterpiece but when you have too many of those outfits you run out of room in the closet and then they go on the floor and then you don't appreciate the outfits as much too many storylines no matter how wonderful they are water down the plot water down your feelings towards the characters and it was incredibly hard to follow I feel like they could have done about four episodes and it would have been perfect. I think my overall reason why I feel so connected with this season, why I think it is so beautiful, is the message of it, at least the message that I took. And when it comes to consuming anything even related to art, I always think of the Freddie Mercury quote, who is my queen, my king, my everything, my entire royal family. If you see it, then it's there, darling. Ugh, love that. And so for me, what I see is that these freaks that everyone looks at as these negative problematic demons they have pain they are hurt and it's the outside world that is so cruel and nasty and judgmental and it's kind of just like don't judge a book by its cover so yeah we love freak show we love Elsa Maz darling okay you know what's left you know what number one is and I'm surprised that not a lot of people like this season and it's not a lot of people's number ones I don't understand what's wrong with you because number one is coven Now that we are at the end, I'll just keep this brief. Coven is badass. Bad ass. Over 300 years have passed since the turbulent days of the Salem witch trials and those who managed to escape are now facing extinction. Mysterious attacks have been escalating against their kind and young girls are being sent away to a special school in New Orleans to learn how to protect themselves. Wrapped up in the turmoil is new arrival Zoe. Oh, her name is Thaisa Formiga. There we go. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Who is harboring a terrifying secret of her own. Alarmed by the recent aggression, Fiona or Jessica Lang, the long ab 
absent Supreme sweeps back into town determined to protect the coven and hellbent on decimating anyone who gets in her way. This is the season that you think of when you think of American Horror Story. You think of Twisty the Clown, but you see the memes and the quotes and the gif gifs with Coven, with Myrtle Snow and Madison Montgomery. That's what you see. Another fabulous performance. Once again, I'm like a broken record with Jessica Lange and Kathy Bates. Oh, it's amazing. It's funny. It's cool aesthetic. It's a brilliant storyline that made sense. The sidesteps, the flashbacks, all of them were purposeful. It's that seamless blended storyline that I really, really love. It's definitely got that campy feel as well, kind of like 1984 but definitely not as goofy. And because of Queenie, this is definitely the second funniest season after 1984. The New Orleans setting was absolutely beautiful. I cannot wait to go there one day. That created this really spoopy, haunting, but beautiful vibe around the entire season. Also, fun fact, you can stay at that coven house for like five grand a night. It's like an Airbnb. Maybe even more. It might be 10 grand. Please hold. Okay, well now I can't find it, but you can rent Marie Laveau's house for $317 a night. So not too bad there. One of my favorite parts of this show is Angela Bassett. Hands down. Every role she plays is unbelievable and funny and witty and just so well done. And this is definitely her best. I thought adding the voodoo into the story was very creative and it made sense for the New Orleans storyline. It wasn't just thrown in there to be thrown in there. It's a part of the New Orleans history. Also, like I was saying, before that human fear that we mostly see with the supreme that's so subdued and it's so underlying I always look for it now though in every season of American Horror Story and it's the human fear of the power struggle releasing power getting rid of your power letting go of it obviously we have to give a shout out to Myrtle Snow the iconic the fabulous the best terror of the entire American Horror Story series and Cordelia of course yeah she's like that classic iconic American Horror Story character I never really jumped at loving her as a character she was great and I thought that personal struggle and what she went through was heartbreaking and I think Sarah Paulson played her so well and that desperation oh my god it's a very gruesome season don't be fooled by the pretty aesthetics of it it it, it gets quite gory quite intense to wrap it up the beauty the acting the character development the smooth and seamless storytelling with cohesive sidesteps and flashbacks the comic breaks the gruesomeness, that overall captivating, horrifying story with that punch of lightheartedness and campiness just makes this my favorite season of American Horror Story. I want to give a very special thank you if you have completed this episode. This is by far my longest episode I have been recording for a long time. Again, if you want to see my reaction to the dark roast flavor of the Coca-Cola drink, yes, if you forgot, 6,000 years ago, we started drinking this caramel Coca-Cola with coffee. I drink the dark roast on my YouTube channel where I talk about the terrifying inspiration behind the worst season of American Horror Story in my opinion hotel the backstory and inspiration does 
does make up for the shit season, I promise. And I'm also on TikTok if you want to give me a follow there, where I try the vanilla flavor of the Coca-Cola with coffee. My TikTok handle is L-E-A with two A's, Mars, M-A-R-Z, yes, like Elsa Mars, but with a Z, that's L-E-A-A-M-A-R-Z. I'm funny as shit, just a heads up in case you didn't already get that. My YouTube is youtube.com slash L-E-A-L-O-C-K-S, like Leah Locks. And you can follow the pod. I'm not quite as active on the podcast Instagram. I've just been super busy and I found that like it wasn't really generating that much interest. So I was like, all right, I'll just post here and there as updates for when the podcast will come out. So if you want updates on that, you can follow the podcast at NCQH Podcast, as in the initials for Netflix Coffee and Questioning Humanity. And then there is my personal Instagram if you feel so inclined to follow me. And that's L-E-A-A underscore M-A-R-Z, kind of like Leah Mars, but with an underscore and two A's for Leah. Also, in case you are unaware, friends, Texas is going through a crazy environmental crisis and they need help. I have found a food bank that is four star rated from the Charity Navigator. And in case you don't know about Charity Navigator, it just lets you know what charities are shady because some people suck and they tend to take advantage of people's kindness. Now more than ever, Texas needs our help. The Central Texas Food Bank is accepting donations on their website. They have a minimum donation of $5 and every dollar donated can help create four meals. That's critical to people right now. There is also an Instagram page called Texas Relief Warriors. They are dedicated to helping those in need in Texas and in the Gulf Coast area. They send out information on what they need. Plumbing supplies, volunteers, hot meals, women's hygiene products, delivery drivers. If you are in Texas and you want to help, that is your place to go. Or if you're in another state and you have the means. There was a bunch of plumbers up in Massachusetts that just drove down to Texas to help out. And one important thing when you are donating to Texas Relief Warriors, please only use their link in bio. It is a PayPal link. Again, it's Texas Relief Warriors. Only use that link. People are shady. People suck. People are greedy. Anyways, thank you guys again. I don't have enough thank yous in the world to show my appreciation and gratitude. Stay caffeinated, stay streaming, and stay strong. 